welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. I feel something stirring in my heart today. I've got my walking shoes on, so you're ready to come for a walk, ready to come for a run. Let's go for a run together, shall we? Welcome to church. Good to have you in the room. Welcome to everyone at home today who will join us today or at a later time. It's so good to be able to be in church together, to enjoy the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you today about I hear the sound. I hear the sound. (laughs) I hear a sound here. I've got to behave. I've got to stay on track. Stay. I've got my walking shoes on and I tend to go faster when I've got my walking shoes on. So If you want me to slow down or pull back, just go like that and I'll see the hand gestures and I'll pull back and behave. But anyway, come with me this morning into Genesis chapter 3, two verses, 8 and 9. And it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden But the Lord God called to man, where are you? Just let that just marinate for a little minute. And I want to stay on this one, to the best of my ability, this one simple thought today. And that is, what is it that you are hearing? What are you hearing? Because what you you hear affects how you walk. It affects how you walk. The other day I was asleep and uh, early hours of the morning and I, there was this sound outside my bedroom window and you recognise the sound immediately. It was the sound of a crow. <laughs> Love to say it was an eagle. It was a crow. And you automatically know exactly what that sounds like. You know that piercing, relentless, persistent sound that only a crow can make. It's a distinct sound that belongs to the crows. Byron likes birds, the feathered kind, you know, just to clarify for those that need clarifications, the feathered kind. Let that sink in too. And uh, for his birthday last year, I thought, what do you buy a man who likes everything golf related? I mean, you know, me to go into a golf shop is like sending him into a dress shop and you never end up with what you want, right? So he kept talking about birds that were flying around and look at this kind of bird and that kind of bird and that's a such and such bird. And because I know nothing about birds, I could never confirm or deny whether he got the bird species right. And so I bought him three books on birds and a pair of binoculars. And then he got worried that the neighbours will think that I'm spying on them. So the binoculars have been in the cupboard since September 17. Anyway, a crow has nine different distinct sounds. You didn't know that, did you? All the bird watchers will, but... I learned about the crow this week because the thing woke me up. But 
And if God had sent this bird to wake me up, it succeeded. I was wide awake because this crow was not stopping. It was relentless. And these nine different sounds of a crow, which I'm not going to go through this morning, but I'll mention three. One of those sounds and one of those sounds is a gathering call. The other sound is one to... Um, warn off, it's a warning sound, it's to warn off predators and something around that is a dangerous thing. And the other one is a signal or an alarm to show great excitement. And I thought about these three things based upon my vast knowledge now of the crow. And you'll like these three things. Number one, the gathering call. We hear that. Number two, a warning call, we hear that. And number three, this call of excitement or enthusiasm to sound an alarm that something really good is near, that something very good is nearby. And while I'm not about to imitate a crow for you today, as, and I know there'll be wide disappointment about that, it goes core. And there's a short core and a long core. And then there's a middle core and then there's other core. Core as in C-A-W. And a long core is core. You like that? Room for improvement, right? Anyway, that's the sound that a crow makes. And if a crow can get excited and enthusiastic that something good is near, then surely the church can too. Because as the days grow darker, the church grows brighter. As the days around us is showing darkness all over the place, the church should be in a greater degree of excitement, enthusiasm, passion, and hunger for God than it's ever been before. Because we're one more day closer to the coming of the Lord. And I believe that God looks for people who will hear. Because people who hear are people that are willing to follow. God here in Genesis is walking through the garden and he's about to interrupt their hiding because you know the story, but he's about to interrupt their, their hiding. And I believe that as we've been praying, God is about to interrupt and intercept those that have been in hiding. That God says, I'm about to pull you out of your hiding places, out of your place of you know, darkness even out of your place of where you've separated yourself from me. God's about to interrupt your place of hiding, their place of hiding. And I hear the sound of God doing something right now, right now. I hear the sound of God calling his people home. I hear the sound of praying, it's starting to build, it's starting to grow, and I hear the sound of restoration. I don't know what you're listening to, but that's what I'm hearing. You can listen to something else if you want, but I, my ear is going in that direction, and this is not a time for the church and for us to be found hiding among the trees in shame or in regret. As the sound of the Lord was heard, and the, that word heard being the underlined word, his people in Genesis were somewhere else, doing something else, hiding away from where they could have been and where they should have been. 
And God comes walking through the garden. Imagine hearing the footsteps of God. And you're hiding in the trees. It's not where you want to be. And you hear the footsteps of God. And when you hear the sound of the Lord moving closer to you, you will do one of two things. You'll either move in His direction or you'll move away. And I ask us this question today, with this question hovering over us, where are we? Where are we? What a question, really. Where are we? I mean, if God can ask his people that, where are they? Then surely we too ought to be provoked by that question ourselves. Where are we? Where are we? What is our ear inclined to? What direction is our face turned? Is it toward him or is it away from him? We know that this was the cool of the day. This was an important time of the day because it was when the sound of the Lord came. In the Hebrew language, we know that it is a Hebrew word for ruach, R-U-A-C-H. And it was the time of the day when the wind and the breath and the Spirit of God would come and he would come from the garden and his people, even though they were in hiding, heard the sound of his voice. And I want you to be encouraged by that, that as you're praying for people that are away, they will hear the sound of God's voice calling. His voice can supersede their hiding. His voice can supersede their past. His voice can supersede their sins or their mistakes or even ours. His voice is greater. It was the time of the day when God would bring forth his breath and his voice in the garden. And I, what do I hear right now? I hear the sound of timing. Timing has a sound to it. I hear the sound of his presence. There is a sound that comes with the presence of God. I hear it this morning. I hear it as we gather. I hear it as we pray. I hear it as we talk about what God is doing right now, I hear it as God is preparing our hearts for where, what is coming. I hear the sound of his calling that he's leading his people into the right place, into a rightful place. And my great knowing and hope and faith and trust is that even if things got turned upside down and they got out of place and out of position, that I hear the timing of God for God to put people in their right land, their right place, their right call, their right destiny, their right future, right where they were meant to be. Even if they've been hiding in the trees, they will hear the voice of God calling. Many will hear that today, both at home and in this room. I hear the sound of prodigals coming home. I hear the sound of renewal. I hear the sound of recovery and as I said, you can listen to something else but my ear is inclined to this and where your feet go, where your sight goes, where your hearing goes, your heart will go, where your mouth goes, God will start to inhabit the very praises of his people. I want God to show up here. But it takes hearing to know the times and the seasons and to be within the proximity of his voice. But there is a caution. There is a caution. I mean, clearly there's a caution because Adam and Eve were in the garden, for goodness sake. I mean, it doesn't get too much better than being in the garden. 
But there is a caution because little things can get to us. Big things can wear us down. The daily things are the daily things. They are constant. Do you know the greatest walk that you and I will ever do is the one that you'll take with God? It is. It's the one that you'll take with God, walking in Him and walking in His direction and not away. My one, and I've shared this with you before, but my one and only claim to fame of knowing any kind of Latin at all, and I'm about to impress you with this one sentence, and there'll be some that have not heard it, but I stay with it because it's my one and only. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you know that, it, it sounds like you know a bunch, but you actually don't. I know this one line of Latin, Solvitus ambulando cum dieo. I know. It's Latin and it means it is solved by walking with God. It is solved by walking with God. Your greatest battles are solved by walking with Him and not away from Him. Your greatest moments are when He is the story of your life. When He becomes your story, it's the greatest story that man's ever heard. Your greatest successes are when you partner with God's heart and with His voice. It is solved by walking with God. Peter Jenkins wrote a book in 1973. It was called A Walk Across America. He walked something like 5,000 miles. What is that in kilometres? 8,000 thereabout for those that can do the conversion. But it's somewhere, it was an enormous, you know, journey to say the least. He walked through, his story goes on. He says, yeah, I walked through blizzards. I walked through heat and I walked through desert. But he tells the story even further. He says, uh, I was attacked by dogs. I was nearly attacked by a dog yesterday, a great big bulldog. I just thought I'd throw that in. I'm here, but I survived clearly. But I just thought I own a little piece of this story this morning. He was attacked by dogs and other animals. He was even bitten by snakes. He was hit by a car. His own dog was run over. He was mugged three times. He was stabbed once. And there was a host of other things that he experienced as if they weren't enough. Who knows that's a bad season. Any one or two of those things that I just listed would be enough to say, I'm going home. I've had enough. This is too dangerous. But when they interviewed him, they said, after everything that you've gone through and everything you've experienced, what was that one thing that made you want to give up? What got to you to the most? What made you want to give up? And his answer was probably not what you and I would expect from a man who had an extensive list and there was more than what I've quoted in that. His answer was very simple. He said, it was the daily sand that got into my shoes. That daily grind, that daily wearing away, that, you know, those grains of sand that get in your shoes and it affects your ability to walk well. He said, that's what got to me the most. It wasn't the snakes. 
It wasn't the wild animals. It wasn't the desert, the heat or the cold. It wasn't even the loss of my companion dog. It was the daily grind of sand that got into my shoes. The Song of Solomon tells us, don't let the little foxes get into the vines. Don't let the little things come in and ruin the harvest. Don't let those little voices that come every now and then, either yours or somebody else's, that come in and spoil the pot, that come in and taint your view, that come in and cloud your judgment, that come in and water down your faith or your conviction. Don't let the little things come in and damage your heart that causes you to walk away from God and not toward Don't let the daily grind of life lead you away so that you're now hearing something else instead of what the voice of God is saying. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, I like this chapter. I won't read it because time's getting away. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God tells his people, he reminds his people, he says, it was me that led you and fed you through the wilderness. He said, I'm leading you into a land where there are brooks, there's streams, there's valleys, and then there's hills. He said, it's a good land where I'm taking you as good, where I'm taking you as great, where I'm taking you as filled with every provision. He said, it's filled with food, it's filled with fruit of all kinds, and you will lack nothing at all. He said, you'll be able to dig the copper out of the hills. And when you build your fine houses to live in and your herds have increased and you've multiplied and even your silver and your gold has increased. But when you get to that place of blessing and that place of increase, do not become proud and do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. Do not forget everything that the Lord has done so that it might go well with you. And I think that's a great caution to every single one of us. What a word, really. Because human nature wants the benefits. It wants the success. It wants the blessings. But not all of us want the communion or the sacrifice or the relationship. We want the benefits without the relationship. We want the rewards without doing the walk. Do not forget the Lord when there is sand in your shoes. Don't forget the Lord when there is a daily grind wearing away at you, whatever that daily grind is, the daily grind of work. Even family can be a grind. Even responsibilities that you carry can be a a grind. You know, different things, friendships can be a grind. Different things can come our way that can grind and grind and grind away at your life. Even if you're in that place of grind, do not forget that it's the Lord who saw you through the wilderness who brought you into a time of increase and a time of blessing. Don't forget, even if you've got sand in your shoes today, it's me that will see you through and you will come into a fruitful place. Don't forget it's the Lord. When we entered church in 1980, I mean, it was a strange day. You know, this little Church of England girl walked into a Pentecostal church 
And what bothered me was the man on the drums. No offence to our drummers, I love those guys. But our drummer on this particular occasion had those chimes. You know, remember those chimes that hung? And uh, he would go, and he'd wave his hand up and back, up and back like this. And I thought, God is not in this house. God does not show up when there's chimes. He just doesn't. Isn't it amazing how the enemy can get you fixated on one silly little thing that means nothing at all? Means nothing at all. Once I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I loved those chimes. It didn't matter. I was so in love with Jesus and all he had for my life. They could chime until the sun went up and the sun went down. I couldn't have cared less if they painted the walls green with purple spots. I couldn't have cared less whether there was holes in the carpet or they they painted that pink purple and every colour of the rainbow. I couldn't have cared less whether there was a roof or no roof. I could not have cared less. I was so in love with Jesus. I just gave him all the praise. Oh, what a saviour. What a saviour. Let's focus on the saviour. So we entered church life in 1980, and more importantly, once we, you know, surrendered our lives to Jesus, from that day, there was never a plan B, ever, ever. There's never been a plan B. We, we serve God, you know, in anything, it didn't matter, you know, cleaning toilets, washing louvers, which is what I did. And I, I think they gave me another job because I wasn't great at it. But, um, you know, eventually I was promoted to something else. And I think I went to the creche and did a few other things. As far as I was concerned, it made no difference. I just, my heart was inclined to serve God. To serve God at whatever level, whatever capacity, whatever that looked like. We heard the sound of the Lord upon our lives. And, you know, even when we were back in WA, the voice of God came to pack up everything and come back to Queensland and go to Bible college. And, you know, yes, it was a financial sacrifice. Yes, it was another journey across the Nullarbor. Yes, it was coming back here to nothing. We had no home. We had no job. We had no money to speak of. But it didn't matter because once you've heard the sound of the Lord upon your life, He'll see you through the wilderness. He'll see you across the Nullarbor. He'll even get you safely into Queensland in a Datsun 120Y with no air conditioning and ABC radio that only worked in parts. You know, when your heart is given over to God, whether you're in the wilderness, the desert, or in the mountain and the blessing, sand in your shoes or celebrating from the rooftops, don't forget it's the Lord that I saw you through. We heard the sound of the Lord speaking to us through those which now in my heart are famous little two chapters of Haggai. So heard the sound of the Lord that it was not time to lay down and die. It wasn't time to quit. It wasn't time to walk away. It wasn't time to let discouragement sink in like a cancer. It was time to rise up and it was time to build. We heard the sound of the Lord. We heard the sound of the Lord out of one chapter in Ezekiel 47. 
And with the sound of the Lord comes sight. Because we had to get a fresh vision for his church and what he saw and what he said, then we would line ourselves up with what he saw and with what he said. This is such a simple track I'm on this morning. I know I apologised for it to being so, you know, almost simple, but I just feel something in my heart today that this is a readjustment time, that this is a let's line up time, that this is a time where let's incline our heart, our ear, our thoughts, our everything to the Lord today. Let's not forget what the Lord has done. Let's come back to a fresh place of altar and dedication and rededication and say, God, my heart is for you. We heard the sound of the Lord God moving. and But what I've learned is this, that when God is moving, whether at a time of salvation or at any time, you need the right kind of fuel. You need the right kind of fuel to keep the fire burning. And if you don't, then we become passive. We become judgmental. We become apathetic. We become lukewarm. And God takes no pleasure in that. I said to the prayer people here on Wednesday night that so often we try and tackle life's issues with a butter knife. You know, if you've ever tried to cut through a tough steak with a butter knife, all you end up is a sore arm and a hungry belly. You'll never get to the bottom of the thing. And yet God didn't call us to be, have this butter knife Christianity. He gave us the sword of the Spirit. He gave us the sword of the Spirit, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. And sometimes you've got to pick up that sword and you've got to start to cut your way through. You've got to start to cut your way through the barriers, the problems, the obstacles, the challenges, even yourself, because the greatest problem you and I have got is not the devil, it's us. It's us. And if we can conquer this, You can put the devil to flight. You can put him under your feet, but we're the biggest challenge. You need the right fuel though. The Word of God, the Bible is the right kind of fuel and I honestly don't know how to survive without it. I don't. Don't judge me harshly as I tell you this next story, all right? Just, uh, I'm about to tell you something to reveal a side to my life that you've never known. I was about 12 years of age. Lived in a country town southwest of Perth. It was renowned for its freezing winters and its extremely hot summers. And, you know, both parents were at work this day and I had a friend over, roughly about 12, 12 and a half years of age. He might ask the question what we were doing home alone. It was a different day, a different era. You know, we were the latchkey kids, a bag of chips and a can of Coke or something to survive on. And... That's just the way it was done back there. But freezing cold day on this particular day and we had a fireplace in the, in the lounge room that I'd seen my parents light a thousand times. So I came up with the idea, let's light a fire in the fireplace, in the fireplace, you know. So, you know, we gathered the wood and set it up in the fireplace, seen the parents do that and put the paper underneath the wood, seen them do that and then... The time came with the fire was set to be lit. 
And, uh, but you had to find the fuel to go in there. <laughs> I think about it now, it seems like just the other day, it's a bit, I need healing of trauma, but um, anyway, go out to the shed and gather this tin of fuel, which I seem to remember was unmarked, but I thought it was the one that I'd seen them grab. <laughs> And then, you know, poured it all over the wood, poured it all over the, you know, inside the fireplace and then stuck the match to it. And instead of it doing what fires are meant to do in a lounge room, go up the chimney kind of deal, the flames just whooshed out past my face like that. And I felt it, I, you know, it was like this, yeah, just a massive whoosh past my face like that. And then within like seconds, seconds, the flames are up the wall and they've caught onto the carpet and they're over in the lounge suite and me and my little little uh, friend from school, we're bouncing around, what do we do, you know, kind of thing. Got onto the phone, rang the fire brigade and sirens are screaming up the street and my mother was working at the hospital this particular day and she heard the sirens screaming and she said, some poor person's house is on fire. Little did she know it was hers. Long story short, we'd picked up the wrong fuel. It was an unmarked tin. And uh, <laughs> you've got to be careful when you use the wrong fuel. You can start a fire with all the wrong things. It caused destruction and damage, potential harm. And we that winter, freezing winter, we... Four of us huddled around a little bar heater about this big, just trying to get a little warmth out of it. Lesson learned. If you're going to start a fire, let it be the right kind. Eventually the fire was put out and all that was left was the smell of smoke and damage from where the fire had been. But there's another kind of fire and that's the one that we're focusing on today. Leviticus 6.13 says, The fire must be kept burning on the altar. On the altar the altar of our lives, the altar of our heart, the, the altar within us this morning needs to be kept on fire with our love and our passion for the Lord. And Leviticus says it must never, ever, ever, ever go out. Don't let the fire go out of your life. We know the priest had to add the firewood every day and arrange it. And the point of that Scripture is, The priest was responsible for not letting the fire go out. Today, you have the priest, the high priest, Jesus Christ. Today, you are the leader of your own life. Today, you are the prophet of your own life. Today, you are responsible, not the priest, not the pastor, not the friend, not the counsellor, not the televangelist, not your favourite preacher on YouTube. You and I are responsible for keeping the fire of God alive in our own lives. The fire, the hunger, the desire for Him must never become lukewarm. When you become blessed or prosperous, increased in every way, don't let the fire of God go out. When you're in the wilderness in a hard time and there's sand in your shoes and you've got to wake up the next day and there's a grind attached to your life, don't let the fire go out. He'll bring you through. Even if it feels a long journey, 
He'll get you to the other side of things. Even if you've been on that path for a while, don't let the fire go out. Come back to the altar. Lay your heart before the Lord again. Surrender your life afresh. You know, we make a mistake in our Western church. We think repentance is Jesus. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and now I'm saved, amen, and I'll go on with the rest of my life. But you know, we need to live a lifestyle of repentance. Coming back to the altar all the time and living a life of surrender to Him and say, God, I need You today. I need You more today than I did yesterday. Before I got up here this morning, you might think after all these decades of getting up here and talking to a magnificent church like we've got here, that it's just, it's just second nature. It's not. I think the responsibility and the weight and the call of it rests more on me today than it did at the start. We started with enthusiasm and let's see what the Lord does. Now there's this weight of responsibility on me like you've never, I've never felt in my life. Listen, I got to come back to the altar even before I came here this morning and say, God, unless You anoint me afresh with fresh oil, I got nothing today. I got nothing to say. I got nothing to give. I've got nothing to pray. I've got nothing for myself and I've got nothing for the people today unless You anoint me with fresh oil today. And don't think that just belongs to me up here because I'm the one with the microphone in hand. It applies just as much to you as it does to me. Don't let the fire go out. I hear the sound of healing. I hear the sound of fish, people of all kinds coming to the Lord. I do, I, I hear the gathering call. Don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves. It's so important, you know, it is more than coming into a room and enjoying the service. Our souls need this. Our spirit needs this. We need the company of one another to worship and to praise and to bring ourselves to the altar. God is not finished with us yet. And some of you have come into this room today and you say, I got the sand in my shoes. I got the daily grind of life. The, the weight and the responsibilities are on me right now. There is sand in my shoes. I'm about three parts the way through the desert, this wilderness time in my life, but God is not done with you yet. He's got more for you. Don't think the wilderness or the desert is your it place. It's not. You're just passing through. I hear the sound of warning. I hear the alarm go out to say, don't become so familiar with holy things. Don't become so familiar with the communion table. It's just a plastic, a plastic cup with a bit of black currant juice in it and a bit of biscuit, and we do that every week. And don't become, don't, don't call what's holy common. Don't call the songs that we sing as just well. I like that one. I don't like that one. That one's good. Maybe they're not going to do that again. Listen, this is about 
worshipping the Saviour. It's about giving praise to the King. It's about bringing the altar of our lives before Him and bowing before Him and worshipping Him. Let's not call what's holy common. I hear the sound, not of the crow, but if the crow can get enthusiastic and excitement that something good is near, we ought to as well. And in the next few minutes, we're gonna worship for a couple of minutes. I'm gonna invite you to the altar this morning because I think it's that kind of time, moment and season of meeting where God wants to meet you at the altar. We've got about 10 minutes to spare. We won't cut into your Sunday. But listen, these are the moments that change lives. These are the, the readjustment moments to our hearts. If you wanna come to the altar and say, God, here's my heart, I'm handing it back to you, you do that. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord, we're asking you to come. Dan's gonna get you to, we wanna, the reason we ask you to raise your hands is because we wanna pray for you. We wanna stand with you. We wanna walk with you through that. We don't wanna, we don't want even your salvation prayer to become such a common thing that it's not regarded as holy. Any life that's given over to the Lord Jesus Christ is a holy moment. He takes it so seriously that He writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life for all of eternity and say, there's my son and there's my daughter. Let's stand. Let's worship. And if you wanna come to the altar, and enjoy His presence over the next few minutes before we close this service. We invite you, if you want prayer, you let us know. And Dan's gonna give you an opportunity to respond in a salvation moment. Let's worship. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.